Some youth groups have really bad names. I'm friends with a lot of youth pastors, and they've compiled a list for me of like really bad youth group names that they've heard. One is Explosion, with an X. Explosion, with a little bomb at the end of it. Another one is called Christ Addicts, and their logo is literally a heroin needle with like a cross coming out of the needle. Where's that? Pretty bad. There's another one that's just called Losers. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. There's a few other ones like The Pulse, The Surge. We had The Core. That was pretty rad. Um, There's one called Teens After Christ Only, or Taco is their name of their youth group. And it's great. Uh, So when I first started as high school pastor, I spent a lot of time thinking and praying about our group and what the name should be. Because Crossroads had been around for a long time. And I prayed and I was like, maybe we should change it. And I felt like the Lord led me to Hope's Anchor. And some people really like it. Other people aren't so sure. Um, Pete says it sounds like a Canadian soap opera. Uh, Welcome back to Hope's Anchor. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, People have asked, though, they're like, you know, why do you call it Hope's Anchor? Is it because anchors are popular right now? I want you to know that's not the reason. Because if that was the reason, we would have called it, like, Hope's Mustache or something. Which, by the way, sounds like an awesome band name. Hope's Mustache. This series, we want you to understand what it means to be a part of this group. That's what we're trying to figure out as we go through this series. What's our identity as a family? Who are we? And I think some here might be struggling tonight. I think some here might be confused or feeling discouraged. And I want you to know, I think God brought you here for a specific reason, because tonight God wants you to hear from him. So let's go to the text, and we're going to keep it simple tonight. We're in Hebrews 6, and we're going to look at verse 19. So you can pull it up, or you can just listen. Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever. You see, this verse wraps up everything about who we are as a group. And next week, you're going to hear from Scotty, and then after that, you're going to hear from Dylan, and then me again. Um, But really, our, our group, it's all about hope. So let's talk about hope for a second. I think it's hard to find something you can truly put your hope in. Like, for instance, this might depress you, um, but Disney movies, I mean, like they, they're the purest of the pure, right? Like, we grow up and we love those. Like, does anyone here, like, just admit, you like Disney movies, right? Raise your hand. Who likes Disney movies? Don't be a liar. What's your favorite one? Disney movie. What's your Tangled. So good. So here's the problem. When you grow up, you watch Disney movies, and you think like, oh, I can put my hope in Disney movies. Like, I can trust Disney movies that they're going to give me the true, good, accurate, pure story. Well, here's the reality. Uh, Walt Disney sits upon a throne of lies because Disney movies, they're, they're inaccurate. Like, for instance, in Pinocchio, the original story, the way it was written, Pinocchio straight up murders Jiminy Cricket with a hammer. Like, straight up smashes that guy. Um... Aladdin went a little bit differently. Like, for instance, Jafar originally became the royal advisor by murdering an old lady, stealing her clothes, and pretending to be her. When Aladdin discovers this, he stabs Jafar in the heart. So, a little bit more dark. Um, Little Mermaid, Ursula doesn't steal Ariel's voice. She actually straight up cuts off her tongue in the original story. Um, Entangled, Flynn Rider's character actually falls out of the tower into a bunch of thorns where he is blinded and forced to wander the forest in agony for years. It's pretty dark. So it's like if we can't put our hope in Disney movies, what can we put our hope in? You know, you guys, the way that some of the adults I know talk, they kind of paint you guys as a hopeless generation. I heard a quote from uh, John Maxwell recently. He said, the pessimist complains about the wind. 
The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. There's something I'd like to add, though, and that's the hopeless have forgotten what wind can do. And we live in a hopeless time, or at least it seems that, because your generation has been labeled more hopeless than ever. And people ask, like, what are you guys hopeless about? Well, according to teens I've talked to in statistics and studies, it's, it's everything. Um, so many young people that I've talked to, even people in this group, don't believe in marriage because they've seen people in their own lives go through divorces. And so they think, I could never have a good marriage because my parents don't have a good marriage. Some people I know, they don't believe in family because their parents let them down. They're like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of a family. I don't, want, I don't want to be in this family. Some people don't believe in education because school has failed them. Some people don't believe in friendship because they've been let down by so many friends. Some people don't believe in faith because when they look around at people in the church, they see too many hypocrites. And so many teenagers grow up to leave the church and never come back. And yet, I've been to camps and I've been to youth pastor conferences and I've met people and their wives, youth pastors and their wives, and, and when they'll tell me, you know, we had a hard life, we had a hard story, we had times of hopelessness, but now they're serving Jesus, and when I look at these guys and their wives, and I notice there's one thing they all have in common, and that's a real relationship in Jesus. Their hope was in Jesus. I've heard a song uh, called Habits, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard that song, but it's an upbeat song, it's got a good beat, but the lyrics, when I listen to the song, it fills me with this deep sense of hopelessness because the song is about this girl who's lost her hope and she's got relationship and it's going good and suddenly it's gone and here's what the lyrics say. She says, I spend my days locked in a haze trying to forget you, babe, I fall back down. Staying in my play pretend where the fun hasn't got any end. Can't go home alone again, need someone to numb the pain. You're gone and I gotta stay high all the time to keep you off my mind. And if you don't know the name of that song, you probably recognize the chorus. That's so depressing though, really. Like that song is so depressing. Because you see that girl, you see her utter desperation because her hope is totally gone. And she tries to replace that lost hope with a fake high. And she fills her life with food and sex and drinking and money and drugs and parties. But in the song, does she ever get her hope? Like when you look through the lyrics, when you study them, does, is there ever resolution where she comes out on top? No. She says, I drank up all my money and now I'm kind of dazed and lonely. And the last line of the song is, I fall back down. I got to stay high all my life to forget I'm missing you. See, this girl, no matter how much she tries to get her hope, it never sticks. And she feels like the only hope she has is in something that won't last, which is staying high. This is a great, this is a great problem of finding hope. Because I remember one time I was cleaning my car. And it was a windy day. And I had trash in the front seat. And I was trying to put the trash in the trash can, but every time I got a piece of trash and put it in, the wind would blow a bunch of trash out of my car and it would go down Barsby Street. So I had to run and get the trash, and by the time I get back to the trash can, I'm putting the trash back in the trash can, but all of a sudden, more trash is blowing out of my car, so I'm running back, and when I finally got all the trash in the trash can, the wind blew the trash can over, and then everything just went down the street. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm giving up. That's kind of what the girl in the song is going through, and that's what many of you go through, chasing hope, always feeling it slip, never holding onto it, and you feel like your soul is drifting away. And that's what happens when your hope has no anchor. It drifts away. And that brings me to the most important thing that defines us as a group, and that is, listen guys, Jesus is what anchors our hope. If anyone asks you, like, your youth group's hope's anchor, what does that mean? It's easy, one word. What does hope's anchor mean? Hope's anchor means Jesus. Because in our life, our hope is constantly being threatened by storms, being thought to be swept away. Uh, and personally, I can relate 
You know, one minute, uh, I'm trying to figure out if some of you guys were there that night. I think a few of you guys were. Uh, we did some street witnessing. So one minute, I'm full of hope because I'm driving a bunch of students to go street witnessing, and we're sharing the love of Jesus, and I'm just so full of hope. The next minute, I get pulled over. Uh, and it's because I didn't have the headlights on of the church van. And a cop comes over, and it was super embarrassing. Weren't you guys there that night? Yeah, you remember. Like, was I full of hope after that? No, like the wind in my sails were deflated. Like I was not a fun guy to be around. I was very upset and I was very much like wearing it on my sleeve. I was very bummed out. Listen, guys, it's so easy for us to lose our hope because we put our hope in things that are temporary. It's so easy for us to lose our hope and that's why our hope needs an anchor, a heavy, strong, indestructible anchor to keep it from drifting. And Jesus is what anchors our hope. In Acts 27, there's this amazing story. Um, you guys know Paul. Most of you guys have been Christians. For those of you guys who didn't grow up in the church and you don't know who Paul was, Paul is one of the first missionaries and he finds himself as a prisoner. He's been prisoned by the government and he's saying, I'm not gonna lie down. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna go down. I'm a prisoner. You know what? I request, governor, send me on a boat to the most powerful man in the world, Emperor Caesar. See, he wants to get Caesar saved. He wants Caesar to meet Jesus so that everybody in the whole world can hear about Jesus. So Acts 27 tells this story about a storm. Paul sets out in the boat and he runs into a gnarly storm. The way the storm begins is it begins with powerful winds and waves and it tosses Paul back and forth and the people in the boat begin to lose the lifeboat, the smaller boat that they can escape by, they lose it. So with great difficulty, they pull the lifeboat back on board and, and fear begins to grip them and it's fear of running aground or crashing and burning. And so they panic and they begin to sail, driven by a desire to get out of the storm. But with no luck, they're tossed around like a child's toy. And they begin throwing things overboard. And by the third day, they throw the ship's tackle overboard. And in verse 20 of Acts chapter 7, or Acts, Acts 27, it says, Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm beat upon them, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So for several days, there's no sun, no stars, no moon. And it says a tempest beat on them, and that's a heavy storm, rain, snow, sleet, and hail beating on their faces, and all hope that they'd be saved was finally given up. I want you to like understand the desperation of these guys. Imagine these guys in the gnarliest storm of their life, no sun, no moon, just stuck out at sea. And I want, you to, I want to ask you, does it remind you of yourself? Does it ever remind you of the storms in your own life? Because I can believe it can be very similar. I think the storms in our life work the same way. It begins with powerful winds and waves of change, hard challenges and changes crashing into our life. Maybe for some of you, it was a divorce. Mom and dad were getting along great. And then out of nowhere, the people that you put your most trust in, now the relationship is shattered. Maybe for some of you, it's the loss of a friend, someone that you put your trust in, someone that you love, someone that you knew, they would back you up. And all of a sudden, either they're gone or they betrayed you, they stab you in the back and now you're not friends anymore. Maybe for some of you, it's the death of a loved one, someone that you care about so much, someone in your family, someone who was supposed to be there for you, and in an instant, without warning, they're gone and out of your life forever. For some of you, maybe it was a breakup, that person who was just the most important person. You put everything on them. You bet everything on them. You staked all your hope on that person who was supposed to be with you forever, and now they're with somebody else, and your heart is broken. Maybe for some of you, it's moving. You were someplace where you were stable, you're secure, and now everything that you know is behind you. And maybe for some of you, it's your own doubts. Everything was going great with Jesus. 
You believed in Jesus when you were young. You had faith. You trusted him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have all these questions and all these doubts that you don't feel like are getting answered. And you're wondering, is God even real? And you feel like you're being tossed back and forth and you begin to lose your lifeboat. I think of a lifeboat as something that we put our hope in, something we put our security in. It's like a life preserver. And I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where I felt like the thing I put my hope in, my life preserver, was drifting out to sea. With great difficulty, what we do is we try to secure the lifeboat because we find it slipping away. I remember talking to a young guy who used to be a part of this group years and years ago. And I remember walking out in the back area, out in that little woodsy area behind the school. And I remember this, this like eighth grade boy just breaking down in tears when he said, my dad overdosed on pills and he's never coming home again. I just remember that heartbreak. Maybe you feel at times that lifeboat slipping away when you feel like your best friend hates you or you're, you've moved from everyone that you know and love or you're in a new school. Maybe this year you've been in a new school and you still feel like you haven't got any friends and you're terrified. Fear begins to grip you. Fear of running aground. What that means is crashing and burning against the rocks. I've felt this fear before. I felt, what if no one ever loves me? What if my situation goes from bad to worse? What if this pain never goes away? And so what many people do is what the sailors did in the story. They panic and they begin to set sail driven by a desire to get out of the storm. What I see is so many young people in the storms of their life, what they try to do is they set sail and what they think is this will get me out of the storm, drinking. That's what I need to get me out of the storm. That's what will lift the burden. For so many, it's drugs. Staying high all the time is what will get me there. For some, it's cutting. For some, it's a relationship. I've seen so many young guys and so many young girls, their heart's broken, and it sends them running into the arms of a boy or a girl who are no good for them, but they just feel like they need something. For some, it's gossip. They hurt me so bad, I'm gonna get my squad together, and we are going to attack. For some, it's lust. I'll never get married anyway, so why not just take the easy road? And for some, it's partying, fill in the blank. And with no luck, these sailors were tossed about like a toy. And that's what happens to us by opening up the door to sin. We let Satan in and we become his plaything. Feeling overwhelmed, maybe you begin throwing things overboard. So many times young Christians, when they go through these storms, what I see is the first thing that they throw overboard is their time with Jesus. I'm just too busy. I just can't. I can't right now. I really can't. It's fellowship with other believers. Uh, In the story, they throw overboard the tackle, which was this giant mechanism they used to catch fish. So for these sailors, they're throwing aboard their purpose. It's like what they were about. They're sailors, they're boatsmen. They're throwing over their tackle to catch the fish. For so many of us, for, for all of you, I believe God has a calling on your life. He has a purpose. But when you go through those storms, that's often one of the first things to go is your purpose. The thing God has called you to. The thing God specifically said, I want you to go for this. This is what I have for you. And we say, I don't have time for that. These guys are in a situation where they see no sun and stars for several days. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like the clouds have not opened up for ages. Maybe you feel like it's been ages since God ever spoke to you. These guys are going through the tempest, rain, snow, sleet, and hail beating on their face, and all hope that they would be saved was finally given up. Maybe you felt like that at times. You feel like all hope that you can be saved is given up. I think some of you guys maybe might be there tonight, because I don't want to assume, I don't want to look on the outside and see your smiling faces and think on the inside you aren't going through anything, because when I was your age, there were so many times on the outside at youth group, everything looked good, but on the inside, I was going through stuff. Listen, I believe God has a special word for you today. And it's two words, it's, it's take heart. 
What was lost in the situation? What, what was lost? All blank was lost. What? Hope. All hope was lost. What does Jesus always offer? What's the word? Hope. Jesus is what anchors our hope. In Acts 27, verse 22, Paul says, Now I urge you to take heart, for there'll be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and to whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Look, let's look at what he's saying here. He says, take heart. I did some studying on the words, take heart, to find out what they mean. The words take heart mean to receive courage or comfort from a fact. Like, for instance, if Columbus is going to sail off the edge of the earth because he thinks he, it's flat, if he thinks he's sailing off the edge of a flat earth, you can say, hey, Columbus, take heart, because the world is round. You will not sail off the edge. You'll just sail around it. I remember uh, one day I was working at the church. Do you guys remember in San Diego when all the power went out on the big power grid? You guys remember that? Yeah. And I was working with Jamie Urbina and Skylar Westby and a couple other guys. And I remember Jamie started messing with us. And he was like, hey, guys, like, I wonder if, like, the terrorists attacked. We're like, whoa. Are you serious? Because I was freaking out because I was calling Brooklyn. I was like, oh, my gosh, the power went out at the church. And she's like, oh, my gosh, the power went out in this restaurant. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? The world's ending. Like, I was freaking out. And Jamie's like, hey, guys, the air's kind of hazy, almost as if someone introduced a chemical agent into the air. And me and Skylar, we were like, oh, my gosh. Jamie's like, are you guys lightheaded? And we're like, we are now. Oh, like, I'm, I'm like, totally passing out. And Jamie's just messing with us. Someone should have said to me, hey, Aaron, take heart. It was just a power outage, okay? It's a fact. So to take heart means to take courage based on a fact. In life, you've got these crazy storms. We all go through crazy storms. Parents lose jobs. School situations don't work out. You work so hard for that grade, and all of a sudden, you bomb the test. The, the guy or girl of your dreams that you have hoped would like you, maybe you told them that the, you liked them, and they said, I'm not into it, and your heart is dashed. There's, we go through storms. Listen, I want you to understand. Take heart in the anchor of your hope. Take heart and courage based on some facts. Take heart, Jesus loves you, fact. Take heart, Jesus knows what you are going through, fact. Take heart, Jesus will be with you in the storm because he promises to never leave you or forsake you, fact. Take heart, Jesus faced death and died for you so that you wouldn't have to die, fact. And this brings us to the cross. In a song about, another song about a bad breakup, I've got two tonight. Um, what's Justin Bieber's song about a bad breakup, anybody? There's a bunch. What's like the big one right now? Sorry. So here's a line from Sorry. Bieber says, I'll take every single piece of the blame if you want me to, but you know that there is no innocent one in this game for two. And I find truth in that song because he's right. No matter how much we blame each other, no matter how much we take the blame for one another, there's no one innocent. We've all messed up. No one can take our blame and shame away because they have their own sin and shame to deal with. But in the Gospel of John, something really interesting happens. Jesus asks this question. He says, which one of you convict me of sin? I tell the truth. Why do you not believe me? Jesus says, can you prove me guilty of sin? Now, let me ask you, if your friend came to you, think of your best friend right now. If your best friend came to you and you said, hey, can you prove me guilty of sin? Could you prove him guilty of sin? Yeah, you probably could. You're like, yeah, give me 10 seconds. Like, I know everything you've ever done. I can absolutely prove you guilty of sin. But listen, if Jesus asks us, can you prove me guilty of sin? The answer is no. We can never point to a time Jesus sinned because he is innocent. The only truly innocent one came to us, the God who couldn't live without us. That's not, I just, I keep talking about it because it's amazing. God literally 
could not live without us. He looked at us and he said, I would rather die than go through my eternal life without my children. That is, that is, that is incredible. Because he loved us, he watched us sin for a thousand years and he still loved us. That blows my mind. He looked into the future and he saw our sin. Like, if I could look into the future and I saw in, like, five days you crashed into my car and, like, dented it, I would be, I'd be mad at you now. <laughs> I wouldn't be, like, really nice to you and then I'd be mad at you and crash. If I knew it was going to happen, I'd be, like, giving you dirty looks. I'd be like, you better stay away from me. God looks in the future and he sees all of our sin and he's not like, oh, no, no, no. That is far too much sin for me. I am done with you. No, he sees everything past, present, and future and he doesn't hold us to it because he died on the cross for us in our place. And this brings us to a question. We say, we, this is the question I think we all ask in our heart, which is, Lord, we know you died for us. We know that we're going to heaven. But what about the pain I'm going through right now? I remember listening to Pastor, Pastor Judah Smith talking about losing his dad to cancer. And he says he became a pastor taking over for his dying dad, which was one of the hardest things to do, getting up in front of a church of people who are judging him and saying, you're not as good as your dad. He's this young 20-something guy. And he's struggling with watching his dad die from cancer. And suddenly, his dad dies. And everyone in the church is going through pain. And he's going through pain. And he has to get up on Sundays and preach in the place of his now dead father. And people would say to him, this is what Judah says. Like, people would say to me, it's okay, Judah. You'll see him in heaven. Don't be upset. And he said, yeah, I figured that out. Like, when I read the Bible, like, I figured out that I'm going to see him in heaven. <laughs> but I'm not in heaven yet. And I really wish I could see him now. How many, I'm not asking like, will I see him again one day? I know that I'll see him again. The question I'm asking is how many years do I have to wait? Because the pain is real and the tears are real right now. I'd like to give you guys some amazing words of hope from my good friend, Ben Corson. I'm just gonna read a section of his book. I'm not gonna try to paraphrase it. I'm just gonna read straight up. I'm not gonna do a Ben voice. I'm not gonna be like, hello, stud, hey there. No, I'm not gonna do that. So I'm just gonna read. I love you, Ben. Um, I texted him today and I was like, Ben, do you have any words of wisdom on hope? And he's like, Aaron, I love your face. Life is kind of like a glow stick. Sometimes you have to break it to shine. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> I can't come up with that stuff. He's, I'm gonna read from his book because it's so, this is so good. This is what Ben says. He says, listen to me. The doors that break your heart now will prove to be the only doors to what your heart is truly craving. Your greatest sorrows in life are simply the pathways to your sweetest victories. And the worst pains you feel is the very thing that grows you into the person you need to be for your destiny. He says, I remember when I was a kid, I used to get crazy growing pains. Sports cream was my best friend back in the day because it was the only thing that soothed my aching legs. At the time, I hated growing pains. I wish so bad I didn't have them. But as Chuck Smith would say, hindsight is always better than foresight. And as I look back, I'm really glad I had growing pains. If my bones and joints never grew and stretched, I may have had little pain, but I would have stayed two feet tall. And I, it's a good thing that he grew because he's super tall now. That's, that's right. So he goes on to say, now that I'm an adult, I see that I needed the stretching. I needed the pain or else I never would have grown. So too, the painful experiences in your life are really just hidden blessings sent to grow you. But you know what was funny about my growing pains? I never woke up in the morning, looked in the mirror and thought, hey, I'm taller than I was yesterday. It must have been those growing pains I had last night. It was never like that. I never once saw my growth. But it didn't matter because I was growing whether I saw it or not. So good. 
He goes on to say, you may be in pain right now wondering what it's all for, but I'm telling you, whether or not you see our, your own growth, your suffering is making you a giant of faith. Nothing grows you faster than pain. Just look around at creation and you'll know I'm telling you the truth. How do flowers grow? They grow by getting rained on a lot. How does a refiner purify gold? By burning it with fire. When do stars shine brightest when the night is the darkest? How are diamonds made? By undergoing intense pressure. How does a caterpillar force enough ichor into its wings so it can fly? By painfully struggling all of itself out of the cocoon. Finally, he says, the same is true for you. You won't fly like a butterfly until you struggle all by yourself. You won't sparkle like a diamond until people put pressure on you. You won't shine as bright like a diamond as the stars until you've been through the dark, sorry, I can help that, uh, through the dark night of fear. You won't be pure like gold until you get burned by fiery trials, and you won't have the beauty of a flower until you get rained on by that cloud that hovers on you wherever you go. You need the pain. It's the only way you'll grow. I know you may hate the storm you're in. I know you may be scared to death, but the waves that threaten you will actually become the very platforms that let you walk on water. So don't just tread water, tread upon the water. Life was never about surviving. It's about thriving. So, so good. Like, just... Ben is, if you don't have his book, like, Generation Chosen, it's it's so good. So listen, that was really good. And now jumping off that, I want you guys to understand that our hope lies in Jesus. When we lose sight of hope, we drown. When we look to the source of hope, we can move forward and conquer. Your generation is full of voices who are leading you to put your hope in wrong places. People like Miley and Selena and Drake and Bieber and... Taylor and uh, DJ Khalid, like all of these people, <laughs> pointing you. The, how do you say it, Khaled? Khaled. No, Khaled. Khaled. I'll say Khalid. DJ Khalid. And another one. Did you just say Khalid? Khalid. Khalid. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Guys, I'm old. I don't know. Okay. There's also the voices of your friends. And listen, I like honestly, I can't stop those voices. Like, I can't stop those voices from speaking to you. I cannot, as your youth pastor, like, every, I'm not going to be in your car and every time you turn on the radio, I'm like, wait, change the station to K-Wave. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. You're going to hear voices that'll put, like, as a, as a Christian in your life, you will absolutely have to deal with voices that push you in the wrong direction. Here's what I can do. I can point you to the only voice that is true. I can point you to the only voice that will lead you out of the storm. The only voice that will give you life everlasting and the only voice that can give you hope. And that's Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here for. The leaders here, the counselors, this is what we live for is to point you guys to the only voice that will speak truth into your life. I want to tell you a few things for those of you guys going through storms. Remember, God has seen it before. I hear some people talk about your generation and the hopelessness, and they say, this generation is way more exposed to sin than any other. Have you guys ever heard that before? Like, oh, this generation, like, they're way more exposed to sin. I've thought about that. It's easy to think that, but you know what? I mean, technology may be more advanced, but sin has always been the same. And if you think about it, like, back in Bible times, people were, like, shoving spears through each other's heads and, like, doing tons of gnarly, sketchy stuff, like, in the streets. And you know what I mean? So the, the, the world has always been bad. Like, it's not getting worse. Like, it's, it's just bad continually. The world where tragedy and horrible sin exists is nothing new. The rise of Hitler and the Holocaust where he killed literally over 5 million Jews, it's, it's a horrific thing. And if I was a Christian or a Jew living in Poland at the time, I would have been very hopeless. China became a communist, anti-religious regime far before any technology. In ancient Rome, listen, this is crazy. In ancient Rome, where a sinful, pleasure-seeking culture was so evident, there was something called, have you guys ever heard of vomitoriums? 
Like there was literally a big room where rich people would go and they would eat a ton of food, like just stuff themselves with the finest food and then they would all barf it up to make room for more food. Like these are the people that the capital, like in Hunger Games, these are the type of people that they base that on. Like we could, we could go on and on and talk about the horrible things going on in the world, but listen, there's nothing new under the sun. And God has seen it all before. He didn't, God didn't look into the future and see your generation and say, oh, they're too bad. Like, I can't deal with them. They're the worst generation. No, listen, the way sin is carried out may look different than it did 50 years ago, but the wickedness in people's hearts has always been the same. That's why you have to remember, your God is big. Every example I gave above holds one common denominator, and that's the Holy Spirit reigns even in the midst of all that is going on. There's not any situation where he has abandoned those that belong to him. There's this guy named Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Any of you guys ever heard of him? He's so good. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who stood against Hitler and refused to help him kill the Jews. Many pastors didn't. Like, think about it. That'd be like if Hitler, if, if I was a German pastor and Hitler was killing the Jews and from the pulpit, Hitler told me, Aaron, if you don't preach that it's the right godly thing to do to kill the Jews, we're gonna burn your church down and send you to a concentration camp. And that'd be like if I was like, all right. And we sat in a circle and I told you how bad the Jews were and how we all had to kill them. Many pastors did that because they were cowards. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who stood against Hitler. And he was put into a concentration camp and tortured, but he never left the gospel and he continued to find his hope in Jesus. Jesus was the anchor of his soul and he knew that he had a bulletproof soul and he has gone on to influence millions of people after his death. Many of you guys know Corrie ten Boom. During the Holocaust, the Holocaust, she hid the Jews in her home from Hitler and she was captured and she went through the concentration camp and she watched her sister and family tortured, abused and murdered, but she held on to hope. Her anchor was in Jesus and she came out the other side stronger than before and now she has been used to lead millions to Christ and she even publicly forgave some of the soldiers who killed her sister and led those soldiers to Christ. There's so many other people we could talk about, but we don't have time. Listen, these people's stories, they remind us we serve a very big God who never stops moving or working on the behalf of those he called according to his purposes. God is big enough to handle all of this and draw close every single heart. There is power and hope in Jesus. And that's why you guys need to remind others of that hope. And that's what this youth group is about. Sorry, Sam. This youth group is about, let's knock that bottle out of your hand. Sorry, buddy. This youth group is about pointing other people to that hope. If all we ever do is for the next two years come to my backyard and hang out and talk about Jesus together, that'll be rad for us, but let's get some people who don't know the Lord here. Let's share the hope that we have. And I will say, a lot of people out there are questioning. What I've seen from you guys, just growing up with you guys, um, teaching some of you guys' Bible classes, I've noticed you guys have a lot of questions Unexplored questions breed doubt. And so many young people who once followed Jesus because their questions never got answered, they walk away from the Lord. Like, I think we should do a series where you guys go around and tell your friends, hey, my pastor says, ask him any big difficult question in the world and he will try to answer it. And like, try to stump them, try to come up with something. And they, they might, they might come up with something that confuses me. But maybe we can get people here who have questions. Maybe we can get people here who are seeking and who are wondering, where is hope? Who is God? What happens after I die? 
Guys, we should never hide questions. That's why you can ask us anything. We will never judge you. Our group should be a safe place where you can ask the craziest questions. Because listen, there's, there's no way that God would ever look down on you for questioning. Never be afraid to let the Lord show up to answer your questions. It's okay if you don't know all the answers the source of all hope does. I wonder if the problem is often for us that following Jesus isn't easy because we're so let down by sin in our world and we wonder, God, if you're real, why don't you just make everything perfect? Have you ever wondered that? God, if you're real, like, why this pain? Why the struggle? Has anyone ever here felt that? Yes? Yes. Absolutely. Maybe we need to deal with our own disappointment and discouragements and ask God to refresh our hope. Maybe some of you guys here today need to deal with your struggles and discouragements and bring it to God and say, God, I don't know the answer to this, but I know that you do, and I want to trust you. During World War II, when villages would be attacked and bombed, people would put on these oxygen masks to help them breathe. And the instructions, the safety guidelines would say, listen, oxygen is flowing, oxygen is working, even if you can't see it. We need to remember God is here and working, giving us breath of life, even when we don't realize it. Even when we can't see God working, he is always working. Jesus is the anchor of hope. And listen, guys, I wanna challenge you, do not settle for anything less. Do not settle for anything less. Imagine that you were told, like, hey, listen, I'm gonna give you 700 bucks, and you can go and buy the newest iPhone on the market. Like, in fact, we're gonna jump into the future and like get the iPhone from like three years from now. That's just gonna, like, you'd come back, you'd be the coolest person in the world. So imagine like, you go into the store and you're like, I've got my 700 bucks. Thank you, Aaron. I don't know how you got that. Like, are you a drug dealer? What's going on? I don't know. And you, you go in and you've got the, the money. And the salesman comes up and is like, hey, uh, I know you wanna buy the new iPhone. I know you've got the money for it. But uh, how about this phone from like 1999? And he pulls out this old flip phone and like all it can do is like call and like barely text. Like you have to like type on this giant archaic keyboard. Like would you settle for less or would you be like, no, like I've got the money. Like why would I do that? But so many times for us, we settle for less and it's not like we can't afford the grace of God because it's free. You know what I mean? Like we, we settle, we settle for lies. We settle for things that aren't truth. We, we are offered the grace of God. We are offered the ability to walk with Jesus, to have a friendship with the God who made us, and yet we settle for filling our life with just entertainment, with just friends, with just boys or girls or alcohol or drugs or sex or porn or parties or focusing so much on grades or sports. Not that any of those things are bad except porn, that's bad, but everything else. Well, okay, drugs and alcohol. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, that's a whole thing, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say? Putting your hope in things that don't matter. You gotta put your hope in Jesus is what I'm trying to say and I know that you know what I mean. I sometimes drive up Barsby Street and there's these rabbits. <laughs> and I know I talked about rabbits on Sunday, but God, these rabbits are so dumb because I'll be driving towards these rabbits and they'll just like run from the car. It's just like run to the side. You stupid rabbit. Like, he'll be, like seriously, like they're frantic. Like they're, they're, if I was running in slow motion, they, it'd be crazy. Like the, they're running so fast and I'm driving so slow because I'm not going to run over a rabbit. Like I'm not a sadist. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm driving on this rabbit, but I'm just like, dude, Go to the side. It is so easy. Listen, for, for a lot of us, for many of us, as humans, as sinners, we're always running, trying to stay high in life. We're feeling hopelessness chase us. Have you ever felt your own hopelessness chase you? I have. 
I've had situations in my life where I'm running and I feel like the hopelessness is right behind me like that car or actually like a giant boulder in the Indiana Jones ride and it's coming behind you and it's chasing you. And I'm just running and running. You're running and running from your hopelessness trying to get out of that situation. You know what Jesus says? He says, hey, hey, I'm right here on the side. Like, uh, just step to the side and get with me. Like, you don't have to run from your hopelessness. I'm right here. Step to the side. The way to win the race for fulfillment is to step out of it because you can't do it for yourself. Jesus says, stop running from the boulder. Step to the side. Let me step in front of the boulder. And then Jesus lets the boulder crush him. Jesus lets the boulder completely run him over and he is crushed and broken and destroyed by our hopelessness and sin. But then he rises from the dead and he goes to that stinking boulder and he smashes it to pieces. He crushes our hopelessness and offers us hope. That's Jesus. So I love Jesus. Tonight, we wanna end. I'm gonna ask the guys to get set up for this, but we're, we're gonna end with the song Cornerstone which is an old hymn. And I want to sum up the lyrics before we sing this. The lyrics of Cornerstone is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. It just means, guys, don't settle for anything less than Jesus. His blood, his life, and death are all that we find hope in. It says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And I wondered what that lyric meant. I was like, sweetest frame? Like, it's like a frame coated in sugar. Like, what, what is it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I looked up the meaning of the guy who wrote the song. And when he's talking about frame, he's talking about your state of mind, your frame of mind. I dare not trust in the sweetest frame of mind. What does a picture frame do? It holds something. It keeps a picture from falling out. It holds us in place. And for us, we're always chasing the sweetest frame of mind for our life because we want our frame of mind to hold our life together. We want to have a frame of mind that I'm in love and this relationship holds me together. I feel accomplished. I feel put together. I feel beautiful. I feel ahead of things, on top of things. I feel successful. I feel popular. I, I feel high all the time. Guys, we cannot trust in any of those frames because the sweetest frame will always turn bitter in the end. We have to fully trust in the name of Jesus. Christ alone is our cornerstone, our anchor of hope. When you feel weak, he makes you strong because he loves you more than you can ever know. The lyrics say, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. This means when bad things in life make God seem distant, when your own sin makes you feel like God loves you no longer, you can rest in the fact that he loves you enough that he would have died for you if you were one of the only people on the planet. No, the only one on the planet. The song says, in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. In every storm of life, no matter how high the waves get, you can know that your anchor of hope, Jesus Christ, stands behind the veil. What does that mean? It means that he stands in the presence of God, behind the spiritual realm, behind the veil, the place where you could never go because of your sin. He stood in that veil and he tore down the wall of separation between you and God. You never need to worry if the storm is too strong because his anchor will hold. Because it is the anchor that is filled with the power of God. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. And the final lyric of the song says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. And Hope's anchor, my youth group, like we, we our youth group, we, we love you guys. We love you guys. Like I wake up every day so excited about going to work because I love you guys. Brooklyn loves you guys. The counselors love you guys. 
One day Jesus is coming back and we are gonna hear a trumpet sound. And I pray this is your heart, that you won't be distant from the Lord when that trumpet sounds, but you will be right there in Christ, close to him, listening to him, loving him. And the last lyric of the song says, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, I stand before the throne. Listen, guys, one day you will stand before Jesus perfect. Not because you kept all the rules, not because you're the perfect Christian. No, because even though you failed and messed up a thousand times, every time you failed, Jesus picked you back up and he put his robes of righteousness on you so that when God looks at you, all he sees is every good thing about you every good thing he designed, every good thing he made you to be, this is the anchor of hope, that through the storm, he is Lord of all. Let's pray, let's give this last song to the Lord, and let's sing as a response of what God has done. And if you are embarrassed at your singing voice and think it's awkward, you just, you, you listen to the lyrics and you pray and you have this moment with God. Don't let this pass. Hold on to the anchor that gives you hope. Lord Jesus, we love you so much and we ask that in this moment you would receive our adoration. We wanna praise you, we wanna lift you up because you are so good. You died on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to die. You rose so that we could raise with you. You give us eternal life. Not just the guarantee that we're gonna go to heaven one day, but you give us life now. You give us hope now. God, we're not just waiting out until the rapture. We are living for your kingdom now. And Lord, when, when, the, when that rapture comes, when that day comes, we'll be so excited to see you face to face. But for now, for now, God, we know you're not distant. We know you're not far away. You tore down that wall of separation. And even though we cannot see you, we can feel your presence. We can hear your voice speaking to our heart. We can talk to you. We can pray to you. We can sing to you. What a gift. What a gift that is, God. We love you so much. I just pray for these students that tonight, if they're holding on to anything else as their anchor, they're trusting in any sweeter frame, that they would know that nothing but you and your cross and your love and your heart will hold them fast. God, I pray for these students that they wouldn't leave here tonight feeling like they're sinking or drifting, but that whatever's going on, if they're not holding on to that anchor, if they're not focusing on you, if they're not living for you right now, I pray, God, that you and your grace and your kindness that leads to repentance, you would draw them back tonight to just commit to you that they're gonna hold on to you, that they're gonna put all their hope in you, that they're gonna put all of their joy in you, that they are going to dedicate themselves to living for you and your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We wanna worship you now. In your name, amen.